Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. The American Mask Conundrum. If you need us to explain why you should wear one, then you're too stupid to grasp the explanation. The Trump University Brian Kemp School for Graph Switching. If you secretly swap a graph that depicts America's skyrocketing coronavirus infection curve, for a graph depicting our plummeting economic numbers, and use the skyrocketing coronavirus graph to depict our economy, then it looks like America is finally great again. And the third-rate association for formerly first-world, currently third-world countries, where first-world problems turn first-world nations into third-world countries. We hope your haircut was worth it. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices lack in volume what people who don't wear masks in public lack in basic human decency. Our top story this week. According to a story first broke by the New York Times and later confirmed by literally every news organization that doesn't work for Vladimir Putin, President Trump received intelligence briefings at least as early as February that the Russian government had offered a bounty to Taliban forces for killing American soldiers. President Trump was presented with a menu of options to retaliate, including diplomatic pressures, economic sanctions, and proportional military response, but chose to do absolutely nothing. Actually, President Trump did worse than nothing, because as bad as not retaliating against Russia for the contracted killing of American soldiers is... President Trump managed to do something actually worse. As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman, because we hear he hates that. Mr. President, Russia is paying bounties to the Taliban for killing American soldiers. Well then, I should definitely insist that Russia be allowed back into the G7. Also, Putin told me he doesn't like it that we have troops in Germany, so I'm going to pull a bunch of troops out of Germany. Also, I'm going to call him multiple times and not say anything about him putting out a contract on American soldiers. I love Putin. But Mr. President, he put a bounty on- I love bounty. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty. Nobody tosses paper towels at peasants better than Trump. No, Mr. President, a bounty isn't a paper towel. I know that. I am not a baby. A bounty is... Dog the Bounty Hunter. No, Mr. President... I love Dog the Bounty Hunter because, just like me, he has huge muscles and naturally blonde hair that in no way looks ridiculous. A bounty... The coolest thing about Dog the Bounty Hunter is that he uses Christianity as an excuse to kick A bounty is... I am a lawman on a mission from God. A bounty is money. I love money. That Vladimir Putin... I love Putin. ...paid for the murder of American soldiers. I don't care. Mr. President, we have outlined several different actions you can take. I hate doing stuff. From economic sanctions to applying diplomatic pressure by calling Putin. Yay! I love calling Putin. And demanding that... It's ringing. I just called to say I love you, Putin. Stop singing, Donald. You have voice like screaming dissident being slaughtered. Oh, so you like it? 
I do enjoy hearing my enemies suffer. I pulled a bunch of troops out of Germany, just like you asked. And I canceled the G7 summit because they wouldn't let you back in. Very good. Now bark like a dog and pledge your undying loyalty to me, you pathetic, feeble-minded puppet. Uff, 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 woof, 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 I have a shrine in my bedroom of that picture of you shirtless on a horse. Uh, Hello, uh, New York Times? You're like the loving father figure I've always wanted. Yeah, there's some things that you should know about. I just called. Yeah, he's singing. I just called. To say, stop calling me. Following the revelations first reported by the New York Times and later confirmed by everyone that President Trump was briefed about Vladimir Putin paying a bounty to the Taliban for killing American soldiers, the White House press secretary and reason white people hate ourselves, Kaylee McEnany, has trotted out an ever-evolving series of excuses which, if true, would actually make matters much worse. The president was never briefed about the Russian bounties. This excuse implies that the intelligence professionals responsible for briefing the president of the United States on critical matters of national security instead chose this. Russia is paying the Taliban bounties for killing American soldiers in Afghanistan while America is trying to negotiate an Afghan peace agreement with the Taliban. The president must be made aware of this immediately. Or we could not tell the president and then it could be our super cool, super secret. Yeah. The whole point of handling intelligence is to know secret stuff. And there's no more secret stuff than secret stuff that's so secret we keep it secret from the one person who's supposed to know all of the secrets. Yay, super secret spy stuff is awesome. Of course, the more likely and seemingly worse for the president reason intelligence professionals might not brief the president about Russian bounties on American soldiers is because they're afraid of this. With apologies to Stevie Wonder, our Trump impersonator is still a woman, because we hear he still hates that. I just called to say they caught you. Uh-oh. I just called to give you a heads up. Thanks, buddy. I just called to reveal sources and methods. That's real big of you. And I mean it from the bigly of my hands. That's not the word. Later in the same press conference where she claimed the president was not informed about the Russian bounties, McEnany also claimed that when it comes to matters of national security, quote, The president, who was not informed, is the most well-informed person on the planet. Further reporting has revealed that information about Russian bounty money appeared multiple times in the president's daily intelligence briefing. The most well-informed person on the planet was not informed by being informed because the president is so well-informed 
that he refuses to be informed by the informative briefings designed to inform him. The White House has further denied further reports that intelligence professionals verbally informed the president who notoriously refuses to become informed by reading. Mr. President, did you read the daily briefing? Of course I did. I am not a baby. I am the mostest, welliest, readest president in the history of presidents, which dates all the way back to 1987 when President Robert E. Lee read The Art of the Deal to buy Alaska from Sarah Palin. So what are we going to do about the Russian bounty? Oh yeah, the Russian bounty thing. I already took care of that because Russia doesn't have enough paper towels. So I sent Dog the Bounty Hunter to kick ass for Jesus. Amen. No, Mr. President, Russia is paying a bounty of 100,000 US dollars per American soldier that is killed by the Taliban. Putin paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to kill American soldiers? That is totally unacceptable. I will not tolerate Putin spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to kill American soldiers without even offering to launder the money through Trump properties. I told you we shouldn't have told him. We still wouldn't have been able to save America from our own president, but at least we could have been in a super cool, super secret club. Then, despite reporting that U.S. intelligence successfully tracked money transfers and identified a suspected middleman who fled to Russia so fast they found $500,000 cash in his home when they raided it, McEnany claimed that the intelligence was unreliable and in dispute. The most informed person on the planet was not informed because the information is not informative because there is informed disagreement amongst the people who informed the president about the information. God. Which implies America's top intelligence professionals learned about intelligence from terrible Cold War era spy fiction. We've got a verifiable money trail that connects Russian money to the Taliban. We figured out this entire plot in provable granular detail. But what if all of the evidence that proves the Russian bounty scheme actually disproves the Russian bounty scheme because of an implausible and completely random other thing? Of course, the least plausible, most convoluted explanation is the one we expect the audience to believe. Not surprisingly, all of this has led to President Trump's go-to defense of Vladimir Putin. Putin denies it very strongly and very powerfully, and I believe him because Putin would never lie to me. Because we love each other, and we tell each other our most highly classified secrets. His denial was very strongly and very powerfulist. It was a denial like a shirtless dictator on a horse. Nay. <laughs> Key change. I just called to say I trust you.
and I'll ride you like a horse all day. Is someone murdering a peasant around here? <laughs> There is a controversy in St. Louis as protesters who demanded the removal of a statue of the actual St. Louis, whom the city is named after, were met with counter-protesters demanding that the statue remain. The protesters point to Louis's participation in two bloody crusades against Muslims and his persecution of the Jews as reasons for removing the statue. But the mostly Catholic counter-protesters held up his strong faith and commitment to justice for the poor as reasons that the statue should remain. For more on the history of St. Louis, Barely Audible Whisper turns to our own Harvard history professor, so pretentious he insists on being called Dr. Professor. The city of St. Louis was founded in 1764 by fur traders. No, I meant the history of St. Louis, the actual guy the city is named for. Then why didn't you refer to him as King Louis IX? Did you honestly think that the natural association I would make upon hearing the name St. Louis would not be the very famous city, but rather a king no one cares about who went on to be a saint no one prays to? Sorry, I guess I just... Never mind, I'll start over. King Louis IX, who would later be canonized as Saint Louis, or Saint Louis if you're an inbred podcaster, is perhaps best known for introducing the concept of the presumption of innocence into criminal law. You have been accused of the crime. Therefore, you're presumed guilty of the crime. But I did not do anything wrong. But you have already been presumed. I cannot unpresume what has already been presumed. This seems very backwards to me. We should presume that the accused is innocent until we can prove that they are guilty. I like this new idea very much. An idea this good deserves a prominently displayed statue in a very famous city. Shit! My job just got harder. Indeed, the concept of the presumption of innocence is so vital to the modern conception of equal justice under law that the king who invented it would have to go out of his way to do anything that could possibly tarnish such a grand historical legacy. St. Louis would travel all the way to Egypt to fight a holy war against the Muslims, and Egypt, as it turns out, is far enough away from France to count as going far enough out of his way to tarnish his legacy. Uh, Goodbye, royal subjects. I am off to Egypt where I will brutally murder all those who reject the Prince of Peace. So he's just going to leave France for several years? Isn't he supposed to govern our country? Shit. My job just got harder. The concept of the presumption of innocence is so immeasurably important that King Louis's legacy might have withstood his fanatical participation in two consecutive crusades. Unfortunately, however, the desire to presume King Louis innocent due to his invention of the presumption of innocence is made impossible by his perpetual lack of innocence. Uh, I, I talked it over with the Pope. 
and I have decided to burn every copy of the Torment and every Jewish book that we can find in Paris because that old presumption of innocence thing, uh, it doesn't apply to everyone. My job just got easier again. Not content to merely burn Jewish literature, King Louis IX was also responsible for escalating the Inquisition in France. All non-Catholics must confess they're no longer presumed to be innocent sins and convert or they shall be killed. Despite the fact that the Catholic Inquisition actually started in France, it is most famously known as the Spanish Inquisition because it was conducted in Spain more violently and on a grander scale. And on second thought, uh, some non-Catholics will merely have their tongues cut out. Um, I want to keep this on a relatively small scale. King Louis cut my tongue out because I'm Jewish. Oh my god, King Louis cut your tongue out because you're Jewish? Uh-huh. Oh, that's weird. I'm Jewish too and nothing happened to me. He's trying to keep it on a smaller scale. Oh, you know, that makes sense. If you keep it on a small scale, then it's just an inquisition and it's not the inquisition, you know? Oy vey. And so, when you weigh the full significance of his remarkable achievement as the founder of the concept of the presumption of innocence against the heinousness of his many atrocities, it seems that the most fitting thing to happen to a statue memorializing King Louis IX would be for protesters to remove the statue under the cover of darkness, and assuming that they avoid conviction, they will be repudiating his bigoted cruelty while simultaneously celebrating the presumption of innocence. Uh, baguette, croissant. Uh, croissant, merci. New York City has announced that they will shift a billion dollars from the police budget toward education and social services. Along with the measures, they will be painting a Black Lives Matter mural on Fifth Avenue, right in front of the Trump Tower. In a tweet, the president made his feelings on the matter known. For the third time, our Trump impersonator is a woman because of the rule of threes. NYC is cutting police dollar signs by, all caps, one billion dollars. And yet, the at NYC mayor is going to paint a big, expensive, yellow, black Lives Matter sign on Fifth Avenue, denigrating this luxury avenue. Perhaps the most noteworthy element of this story is that Trump knows the word denigrating. Then again, he probably pronounces it like this. Denigrating. I learned this word when someone wrote that I was denigrating the population. And I thought it meant when I denied housing to black people. Trump went on to call the proposed mural a, quote, symbol of hate. For more on how Trump feels about this, we turn to our Bizarre Analogies correspondent. Hello, I'm Barely Audible Whispers Bizarre Analogies correspondent, and I'm here because there are already so many great analogies out there explaining why Black Lives Matter is an important thing to say and not hateful. For example, if a house is on fire and the fire department shows up, you don't say, hey, all houses matter. It illustrates the problem in a simple way that's easy to understand. 
but that doesn't seem to be reaching some people. So as the Bizarre Analogies correspondent, I'm here to be the proverbial catapult flinging a big ball of moldy socks over the fortress wall because nobody listened to the cannons. This mural will further antagonize New York's finest who love New York. Perhaps if the police see the phrase Black Lives Matter as an antagonistic act, that highlights the very problem. It's like if a Norwegian person is at a market and sees a sign saying delicious rutabagas and loudly declares that the sign is anti-Norwegian, well, that must mean Norwegians have a deeply held anti-rutabaga bias. New York police vividly remember the horrible BLM chant. Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. According to the Associated Press, this is not a common chant. The meaning is so unclear, it's hard to imagine it catching on, just like none of my analogies would have any chance of catching on, even if it were a Sunday in Wyoming. Maybe our, all caps, great police who have been neutralized and scorned by a mayor who hates and disrespects them won't let the symbol of hate be affixed to New York's greatest street. Black Lives Matter is as much a symbol of hate as the phrase a stitch in time saves nine is a symbol of eroticism. Spend this money fighting crime instead. And here is the core of the issue. Somehow a police department had a billion cuttable dollars in their budget, which indicates that a budget cut needed to happen about as much as a A rocket ship needs to jettison a two-ton stowaway gorilla. But Trump takes issue not with the budget that's more overinflated than a pair of floaties cutting off a toddler's circulation to the point their hands need to be amputated. Trump takes issue with the expense of a few dozen gallons of paint. He proposes that the money be spent fighting crime. For this, there are as many simple and appropriate analogies as there are for the phrase Black Lives Matter, but because I am who I am, I'll say it's like if a homeowner had spent millions of dollars planting a yard full of carnivorous weeds and then took issue with the landscaper wanting to put in a garden gnome, and the homeowner said that money could be spent feeding black teenage boys to the carnivorous weeds. Jeffrey Epstein's girlfriend and accomplice, G. Lane Maxwell, was arrested this Thursday and charged with enticement of minors in connection to the ongoing investigation of Jeffrey Epstein, who definitely did not commit suicide last August. As of this recording, no dates have been set for Ms. Maxwell's arraignment, but the date of her not-really-suicide has almost certainly already been determined. Barely Audible Whisper obtained audio of a Justice Department strategy session regarding Ms. Maxwell that was secretly recorded in the office of Attorney General and lying sack of jowls, William Barr. We have to figure out a way to kill Jelaine Maxwell without making it look like we killed Jelaine Maxwell, which is going to be tricky because everybody already assumes we're going to kill Ghislaine Maxwell. Uh, we can make it look like suicide. We already did that with Jeffrey Epstein 
and nobody believes it. We can make it look like an accident. Oh yeah, like a car crash. A car crash inside a prison cell? We could say she was hit by a drunk driver? How would she get hit by a drunk driver in jail? Maybe if her cellmate was serving like a DUI sentence? It's not a question of finding someone who's guilty of a DUI. It's a question of getting booze and an automobile into a jail cell. Toilet wine and one of those prison guard segways. Yeah. No, we're not going with DUI. Um, we can make it look like suicide. We already covered that. We can say she died of COVID. Prisons have a really bad COVID problem. If we're lucky she'll die of COVID. But even so, we can't say she died of COVID because we're pretending that COVID is over. What if we say she disappeared, just like a miracle? We're already using that to pretend that COVID is over. Oh, uh, several of her victims ended up in prison. What if we get one of them to kill her? That would look like revenge. Yeah, that would be like poetic justice. No poetic justice. Poetry Aww. and justice are the two leading causes of communism. Well, what if we tell her that the warden wants to meet with her just like in front of the prison wall and, and then we shoot her and say she was trying to escape? That's a scene from Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah. We can make it look like suicide. We can't use the same lie to kill Epstein's accomplice that we used for Epstein. Sure we can. Nobody's going to believe us anyway. But it's been almost an entire year. Nobody believes Epstein committed suicide. And nobody's been able to prove anything yet. That's true. Yeah. It doesn't matter if everybody knows we're lying, as long as they can't prove that we're lying. Why mess with a proven formula? Ah, the fake suicide. It's uncreative, unoriginal, and unlawful. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of poetic justice. The European Union officially reopened non-essential travel for tourists from selected countries. Notably absent from the list of countries whose citizens are allowed to travel to Europe is America, whose absolutely disastrous coronavirus response has led the United States, under the leadership of President Trump, to become a third-rate, disease-infested hellscape whose citizens pose a threat to the health of the entire rest of the world. At this point, it's only a matter of time before the countries that American Christian missionaries used to condescendingly send little food and lots of Bibles start sending their own brand of condescending aid to us. Warning. What I'm about to show you might make you uncomfortable. 
But imagine how uncomfortable it must be for these poor Americans to live in a country that destroyed its own economy and caused hundreds of thousands of people to die just so that a handful of assholes didn't have to be slightly uncomfortable. Mask or tyranny? For significantly more than the price of a cup of coffee, which is significantly less than the price of a cup of coffee in America, because even in a collapsed economy, they still pay $6 for a cup of coffee, you can help this poor American jackass learn to wear a mask in public during a pandemic. I'm not going to analyze a bunch of scientifically verifiable information like a sheep. I'm going to blindly follow the president like an independent thinker. I know the mask is a little uncomfortable, but if everyone wears one in public, then the spread of the virus will slow down to controllable levels, and you can actually reopen your economy safely. You're just trying to make Trump look bad. Just imagine having to live in a country where public policy is shaped by willfully ignorant, clinically selfish, feverishly entitled dumbasses who compulsively reduce every single issue into a conspiracy against Trump. <laughs> Mommy says I can't get tested for COVID because coronavirus is a liberal hoax to make Trump look bad. <laughs> this sickly little girl doesn't have to imagine it because through no fault of her own, she was born in America. You can't make me wear a mask. It's my body. It's my choice. So you're equating not wearing a mask with a woman's right to an abortion? Hell no. Abortion is murder. Nobody has the right to hurt innocent people. This poor man doesn't even recognize the irony. You want to save the economy at the expense of letting more people die from coronavirus by forcing businesses to open. But massive upticks in the infection rate will cause people to avoid patronizing those businesses for fear of contracting the virus, thus hurting all of the businesses you pressured into opening too early and devastating the economy as a whole. With your help, we can teach these Americans basic concepts like cause and effect. <laughs> so... So putting the welfare of others above short-term economic interests actually has the long-term effect of being better for the overall health of the economy? <coughs> if a sickly five-year-old child can grasp the concept, then surely even a Trump supporter... That's socialism! ...needs more instruction. In a national emergency, such as a pandemic, the federal government is the only institution large enough to handle the enormous logistical challenges of containing the spread of the virus, while also protecting the economy as a whole. It is therefore not only within the government's authority to do so, but it's actually their responsibility. You can't hold Trump responsible. This is all China's fault. That's why Trump called it the Kung Flu. This is going to be harder than we thought. You might have to donate the entire cost of an American cup of coffee. Trump was appointed by God to make America great. 
and not accepting the infallible divine leadership of the head of a government elected by a minority of the people is tyranny. All of the words you said mean the opposite of what you think they mean. <coughs> the fallacy of America's governing philosophy is so egregious that it's even obvious to this very sickly five-year-old girl. <coughs> Why do you keep calling me sickly? Because it gets us more money. This extremely sickly. I'm not that sickly. I just have a cough. <coughs> this innocent child will die without your help. That's probably true. <coughs> the American healthcare system is a joke. <coughs> if I don't want to wear a mask, that's my own personal choice. Just like it's my own personal choice to verbally abuse people who make the personal choice to wear a mask because their personal choice is infringing on my personal choice. All right, look, asshole. I'm going to make this as simple as I possibly can. COVID is most commonly spread through droplets that fly from an infected person's mouth into the air when they infect other people. If you wear a mask, you block the majority of the droplets from flying into the air. Less droplets equals less infections. All right, well, I'm gonna make it real simple for you, Miss Foreign Teacher Lady. Uh, mask cause brain damage and CO2 poisoning and cancer, and they can turn you into a gay. You know what? Screw America. They were handed one of the most promising and prosperous societies in history, and they blew it. Save your money and take a trip to Europe, because you can. Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, made possible by the following people. Writer, co-host, and producer Dave Baldwin. Co-host Molly Brown. Writer and actor Daniel Carter-Brown. Actors Corey Burns, Michael Morgan, and Ellie Glonick. Please check out BarelyAudibleWhisper.com where you can subscribe to our podcast or you can subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcasts otherwise. Also, please follow us on social media and tell all your friends how much you love us. We appreciate your support. Walking in a bowling. Walking There's no in point in trying to sync up, so you might as well just make it as sloppy as possible. Hubris.